You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Have you got challenges? Hi, Kent Hunter here with some reflection on how Jesus turns challenges into victories. Do you ever feel like our world is coming unglued? I saw a longtime friend the other day and asked him, did you watch the news last night or see any reports online? He responded, no, I just ignore all that stuff. It's too depressing. I'd rather watch my favorite sports team, even if they lose. Even then, it's not like it's the end of the world. Jesus, the Son of God, was very positive most of the time. He gave people hope kindness and love. He healed the sick, inspired and encouraged many. He clearly is no fairy tale figure who promises utopia in a sin-filled world. I'm convinced a personal relationship with Jesus is the best thing that can happen to anyone's life and beyond. Yet, Jesus is no sugar-coated reality, pie-in-the-sky, false reality. After all, his path was a cruel death on a cross. It was a personal, undeserved sacrifice that paved the way for believers like you and me to experience the best of life in the worst of circumstances. It's called new life, even after death. It doesn't get any better than that. The daily life of a Christ follower is a journey of hope and resilience through the storms, tragedies, and challenges that reflect our fallen world. It's in that mess that Christ followers are called to bring love, joy, peace, patience, and endurance. We point others to the hope we have inside us. It is a miraculous contrast in the world of everyday life. Let's focus for a minute on the world mess, (laughs) but in a different way. Have you ever been to the Mount of Olives? I remember standing there thinking of the peacefulness of that place and the view of Jerusalem down below. It's where the disciples asked Jesus about the future. Perhaps they were distressed about the present. After all, the Romans occupied God's holy land. They had to wonder, how could that occur? Why would God allow such a mess? It's likely the disciples were shocked into reality when Jesus predicted the destruction of the temple, false prophets, wars, and rumors of war, the decline of the faithful, and the growth of wickedness. How could the Lord be so negative? They probably wondered. It had to be as depressing as most newscasts these days. However, then Jesus changed directions. 180 degrees. In the midst of this discouraging description, he says, 
He who endures through the end will be saved. Not only that, he says, and this gospel, this good news about him, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world to every nation. And then he says, and then the end will come. Matthew 24, 3 to 14. You know, it's an odd reality when things are at their worst. God is always at his best, whether you know it or not. When life is a mess, the followers of Jesus impact the world. Or do they? Can they? Will they? Will you? Yeah, there's a challenge for Christians like us. Throughout history, there are high and low points in the landscape of Christianity. The New Testament is a historical reflection of one of the greatest and impactful moments in history. At the time of Jesus, Roman soldiers ruled the Holy Land, which was promised by God to the Jews. You can't blame those Jews for asking, hey, where's God? Why would he let these nasty pagans take over the land he promised to us? It would be quite easy for the Jews who were receptive to Jesus to wonder, why would God send his son now at a time like this? Why, at a time when the Romans occupied the land, taxed our people, and sent our money to a pagan emperor, why would Jesus come into this kind of a mess? You know, like many of us, perhaps most of the Jews probably never thought about how it works with God. You see, when life is at its worst, God's people have the opportunity to be at their missional best, their missionary best. Troubled unbelievers are most receptive when they are under the pressure of disruption. Welcome to our world today. Yet, not every Christ follower in the early church was focused on the problems. There were strong leaders like Peter and Paul and thousands of believers who understood the potential of massive disruption and challenges. In fact, in time, a Roman emperor would claim the faith of Christianity and Rome would become the home for the early universal Catholic Church. Imagine that. Probably the people at Jesus' time in Jerusalem could never have imagined that. But with God, all things are possible. You see, at the time of the Reformation, the established church faced corruption and disruption. And the Reformers reclaimed biblical teaching and refreshed the movement. That's the way it works. When things are at their worst, God works. The Church of England built cathedrals across the British Kingdom. They represent symbols of a time when there was a high level of interest and commitment to Jesus. After a while, 
those cathedrals, to a great extent, became monuments, tourist attractions of a glorious spiritual season which, for the most part, had gone. However, today one of the greatest revivals of our time is occurring in England, a refreshing of God's enduring movement. In his time, God turns challenges into victories. This sometimes happens because of Christians and often happens in spite of believers like us. How does this occur? In recent times, like the last 65 years, the cycle has unfolded throughout Europe, the U.S., and Canada. The recent history is different in many places of Africa and South America, but similar in Australia and New Zealand. Asia, for the most part, has a longer season of the cycle, with some notable hotspots of Christian growth, especially in South Korea. In the U.S. and Canada, Christianity reignited at the end of World War II. The Jesus movement in the U.S. became a refreshment of spirituality. It was a new wave of spiritual life, often apart from mainline churches that are caught in traditionalism. Their styles of worship services were contemporary, which became a rebirth from what had been brought and adapted from Europe. It was perpetuated because we've always done it that way, so we always did it that way. The traditional approaches, which are not necessarily the same as beliefs, communicated that God was old and out of date. For example, when I was in high school, I wondered, why in the world do people sit in pews in an age when seating has moved on? Pews and other forms send a message we don't really believe, but it sends a message nevertheless. It sends the message Christianity, by definition of containers, not the truth, but containers, is out of date irrelevant, foreign. A more recent wave of distraction includes whole denominations entrapped in a variety of disruptive agendas. They are redefinitions of the primary purpose of the church, from making disciples of Jesus to social trends. The Great Commission of Jesus to make disciples is replaced by a variety of social and behavioral issues that become, honestly, the flavor of the day. In all of this, what gets lost? There was a time when Jesus made a clear choice in the face of other options. He was warned. They said to him, You don't want to go to Jerusalem. You could get killed. He responded, I must turn my face to Jerusalem. They were right. He died there. He was right. It was his mission. There are thousands of ways to mess up the mission given to every Christ follower. Yet, it's not rocket science. Jesus did it. Jesus taught it. He summarized it. Eleven disciples got it. Paul the persecutor got it. Many churches get it. 
at least in theory. What is it? Make disciples. Some churches actually get it. They disciple Christians who multiply others. These churches are growing. God really does change challenges into victories, if you'll give them the chance. How does it occur? It happens when believers get it right. How does that happen? They read the scripture and they get it. They follow the manual, the playbook. They focus on God's word. They become mission centers, not just churches. They? Who's they? The pastors? The staff? Sure, yeah, somewhat. But after working with hundreds of churches, one issue is clear. In some churches, the staff, the pastor, and a few of the leaders, they get it. Their primary mission is to make disciples who make disciples. That is, they equip everyone in the church to be ministers. In the Bible, it's called the priesthood of all believers. Everyone is a minister. The leaders are there to equip and send every member to be missionaries, to their children, neighbors, to their relatives, to those at work and school. This can change your church. It moves the movement from challenges to victories. It changes the church from programs to mission. Where do you start? <laughs> well, the human tendency is to look for a quick and easy fix. This temptation leads to failure. The shortcut is the enemy's lie, the program, the quick fix, the latest and greatest gimmick. We see it all the time. But the issue behind the issue is the long, deep, ongoing dive into Scripture. In the world of the church, the truth will set you free, and it will liberate and empower your church. So, if, if you want God to turn our challenges into victories, we've got to be willing to be nurtured in the one and only manual God ever provided, the Scripture. God's Word is supernaturally charged. It does change lives. It does change churches. It changes behavior. It empowers the movement. So how do you get busy believers to change their lifestyles? Remember this question? How do you eat an elephant? And by the way, that's not in the Bible. But how do you eat an elephant? The answer is one small bite at a time. And the strategy behind that is this. Many bites spread over a long time lead to transformation. The attractiveness is flavor it with engaging content sprinkled with humor. The endurance factor is a small bite daily. Sounds like a lifestyle. The momentum element is pitch it to as many people in your church as possible. Make it a movement, not a program. And the longevity part is develop a lifestyle of daily immersion into God's Word, but one small bite at a time. 
Yeah, we've thought about that for a long time. And after several years, the result of our work in this area has become a daily reading called An Apple a Day, a daily dose for everyday faith. It is a movement tool designed for everyone in your church to spend five to seven minutes a day learning about the challenges of life with a prescription for spiritual growth and a scripture passage that puts the power into the prescription. This is how God transforms our challenges into victories. The vision is to encourage everyone in church to take the apple challenge. Dedicate a few minutes a day to allow God's word to empower you. If everyone in your church is feeding on God's word every day, there is strength in numbers. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Two people can resist an attack that would defeat one person alone. A rope made of three cords is hard to break. Consider the apple challenge for your church. Watch what God's word applied to your life can do for God's kingdom. And God knows our world needs that. And you know that too. You have been listening to Kent Tundra's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you like this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, An Apple a Day, A Daily Dose for Everyday Faith, available from churchdoctor.org and amazon.com. Take the Apple a Day Challenge. To learn more, go to www.appledaychallenge.com.